The Bible says if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that you are a new creation. How many have heard that term? Three. How many have heard the term? All right. Now, the word new creation has never been broken apart by a lot of people in the churches. You have the word creation, so you are a new creation. But the word new is very intense. If you go to the Strong's Concordance on the word new, it will say a new species. You know, they find a new species on the planet they've never seen before, bottom of the ocean or the deep Amazon jungle, and they're just in shock, and they look, this is a new species. The Bible says that when you give your life to Christ, he doesn't renovate you. He doesn't make you better. Jesus didn't come to make you better. Jesus didn't come to, to, to form another world religion like Christianity has become. He came so you could die and be resurrected as a new species. That word new means new species. It means you are uncommon. It means that you haven't been renovated like you do to your kitchen, with the same bones, or to your house, but that as a new species, uncommon as never before, this new creation, this new species is alive. And only since Jesus in the history of the world has been this new species that the Bible calls the church. We took the word the church and destroyed it, meaning the building and the system. Let's go to church. Wrong way, according to the Bible. Now, I know that's how we, we deal with these words uh, to, in today's vernacular. But it would be more like, let we, the church, go to our team with our coach, our pastor. And it's crucial to be a part of a local church. The world has moved away from local church. They'll pop around and find whatever church is, is good for them at the time. And we like that church. We can pass our business card around. I get great fellowship over there. And the kids love there for the playgrounds. And people do not get it. The most crucial thing about the local church is the teaching of God's word. I thank God we have great fellowship and great kids programs and teens and all the things that are going on. Um, but the teaching of the word to the parents is the single most important part of a church because the children have to ride on your faith. You have to believe for their miracles, their protection, their being raised up, for the generations of your family name to move on is being handed to you, the parent of that person, that child reaches an age of accountability and an ability to grow and learn in this area of faith and to win in life. And so the teaching of the word is the single most important thing. If I was not pastoring today, I would search out till I found someone that could teach the word. And I'd play with my kids on another day. I'd sit them beside me if I have to and put a headset on if you're too young. To I would do whatever it took, but I need the teaching of the word of God. The word of God, it begins to access our lives and it massively and radically changes you from not a renovated person, not an improved person, not better behavior, but an absolute death and resurrection. And you become a new species. Now this new species is deep in your spirit. And then now it is up to you to begin to work out this salvation, to work it out to work it out so it gets in your mind, it gets in your body, so it begins to establish your heart in grace. You begin to know how to operate in faith. Today, I'm going to talk about faith. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. 
Could you just lay aside everything you know about faith? Because you don't know faith unless you get regular miracles. That's just going to be very honest with you. Sometimes before I can speak to people, I got to tear down what they think they know. Faith, okay, is very, very crucial. Faith is how the new species functions with the power of God, with the ability of God. Now, in Romans chapter 8, let me read you a verse that people don't understand. Romans 8, 6, 7. For to be carnally minded is death. This is written to Christians. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. This is two loaded verses. First of all, what is the law of God in the New Testament? The Bible calls it the law of faith. Not the Ten Commandment laws or the 630 that that go with it. The law of the New Covenant is the law of faith. And so the Old Covenant, they walked in the ability to uh, get miracles from God by their behavior and their conduct. Today, if you try to do that, you are called by the Bible self-righteous. You yourself are going to get yourself to a place where you can believe God or have the miracles of God. But you won't because the mind is not where faith works. Now, there are two kinds of faith, head faith, heart faith. And head faith, people think because they know the scripture and they've been to the services that they have faith. But until this faith flows out of the established heart that is established in the covenant of grace, established and understands faith, there will be no power that flows. And you are to have supernatural help with everything that you do, raising your kids, um, making money, career, a romance, Every area of your life has a supernatural ability that only flows by faith and from the heart. 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. It doesn't say it's our prayer. It doesn't say it's our attendance. It doesn't say it's anything else but our faith. And no one can grow your faith except you. And faith is not something, oh, I believe. No, faith is a process. Head faith can go, yeah. Faith does not come from an emotional worship service. Faith does not come from another person's testimony. Faith does not come, uh, you know, from except the word of God. So faith cannot function in the mind. Faith will only work this supernatural ability to get miracles in health and finances, relationships, restoration, to, to repel the attacks of the enemy and to stop demonic assignments that are against. And there's some of you here today that you'll realize there's a demonic assignment against me. Some of you are playing with new age or other cults and trying to mix it uh, with your Christian, which opens you to demonic entities, which is why you can't control your emotions. Uh, So when you begin to understand the word of God and you recognize that to be carnally minded and try to use um, the word flesh, whenever you see the word flesh, everyone always thinks it means your desires and it it can, but it predominantly means you trying to work the principles of the heart and the spirit with your head, 
which is just called your fleshly strength, your fleshly ability, and it will not work. Now, in Psalms 119, 130, it says, the entrance of your word gives light. The entrance of your word. The entrance. Well, I've just read it. We mean entrance. It must move from what you read. It must move from the reading of the word until it enters your heart. When it enters your heart, it will begin to establish your heart in the thinking of God, the principles of God, and especially now in the new covenant, not the old covenant. The entrance of your word brings light. What does it mean by light? It means you begin to become illuminated. You begin to have aha. You begin to know things and your heart begins to wake up. The Bible says, wake up the mighty men. Wake up those who sleep. I believe that can be used as a Greek word and a Hebrew word in many areas. But one of the places I've seen after 40 years of preaching is the heart. There are Christians who have never learned to use their heart. They've never um, developed faith. Faith is not yours because you feel good emotionally. That's head faith. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by my emotions. I love emotions. I appreciate emotions. I'm not an emotionless person. But when it comes to the decisions that I make and what I believe, my emotions are put aside. I believe what the word says. I'm not going to believe my emotions. Most people can't keep their emotions straight for two hours, let alone to walk a miracle through or to walk protection through or to get a miracle in your body or to walk out something, a life of faith where the next generation serves God and rises up with God. It's the word of God that enters that begins to give you a, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know what I can do. And then you must feed on the bread of life which is Jesus, which is the word of God. The word of God is absolutely crucial. And the Amplified, the same verse, listen to this. The entrance and, uh, now the, the Amplified Bible will take the other meanings in, a, in a, a Hebrew or Greek word and it will include them in the text so you get a, a better look because many times it's every meaning that is attached to it. Here's what it says. The entrance and the unfolding of your words give light, unfolding. Their unfolding is what gives understanding, discernment, and comprehension. You know, when you look at the fans that ladies used to use, you know, a hundred years ago, just had this stick and all of a sudden you just squeeze your fingers and this fan as you can fan yourself. Or, you know, many of our buildings will have an accordion door. All you see is this little stub uh, sitting there, but the wall is folded and folded and folded, and all you see is a stub. Then someone grabs it, and they begin to walk this thing across. Maybe you've got it in one of the stores you work in, and it literally unfolds, and you can see a 30-foot reach. It's 10 feet tall. You go, you just unfolded what was really there. You just couldn't see it before because it was folded. I don't know how to explain that. This is exactly how I see the word. I'll read and study and, and look at it. And all of a sudden, as you, Holy Spirit begins to trust you and, and you begin to spend time, he begins to unfold the word of God. And amazing, the word comes alive inside of you. It gives birth to revelation after revelation as that unfolding just keeps going and going. You got a three-foot wall and a four-foot and a five-foot and a six-foot. So it's 20 feet. It never ends. The revelation and the transformation of the new species, you.
I had the honor of speaking around the world at, at beautiful conferences and churches and uh, from Australia to Amsterdam. And I found this incredible need that people would talk like they knew faith, pray with passion thinking they were in faith, but really were more or less just in a head faith. And there's lots of ways you can tell that as you begin to develop heart faith. But to know that 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory. What? This is what gives you victory. Where? This is the victory that overcomes the world. It doesn't say this is the victory that, that causes you to hang in there with your problems until you die and finally get heaven. This is the victory. Jesus is not just the author and uh, get by of your faith. He's the usher. <laughs> He's the author and the finisher of your faith. When Jesus is on the cross, said, it is finished. And he dies. It's finished. Why don't you take the word of God and believe till it's done? Get this marriage where it needs to be by faith. Get these kids knowing Jesus, believing God for restoration, financially rising up and being blessed enough to begin to give to your local church and rise up and affect the nation. All of these areas, he's the author and the finisher. There's not too many finishers. If you'll just step up, you'll be rare and God will do incredible things in your life. In John chapter one and verse five in the Amplified, it says, this light shines in the darkness for the darkness has never overpowered it or put it out or absorbed it or even appropriated it. And it is unreceptive to it. There's a darkness on this planet, the kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, and the light shines and the darkness cannot stop it. You people who have given up on God, given up on Canada, given up on, on the church rising up, given up on everything, look at the world's going to hell in a handbasket and Jesus is coming back and blow the trumpet and we're all going to disappear because he's going to save us from the big bad devil. No, you don't get it. The devil is finished. Yes, if people allow him to, he can use them, use their authority, use their power, mess up nations, you bet. But if the church will rise up and begin to speak and understand faith and their duty and rise up and by faith begin to lead that business, by faith be a member of parliament, by faith rise up and be a, a professor in, an, in a godless atmosphere where everyone is trying to knock Christian. As you begin to have faith, this faith, when the smoke clears, you will still be standing. The storm will hit your life and it'll destroy the guy who does not know how to develop faith. But when that storm is done and it blows itself out, you're still in there watching TV, sipping a coffee and enjoying family. Why? Because you cannot be shaken, as the, the Bible says. The storms don't come to strengthen you. Learn the word. Storms are always demonic. Okay, now God will always cause what the enemy means for harm for your best, Romans 8, 24 and on. But he's not sending you storms to toughen you up. His word does that. If you're a general in an army, you don't have to take a, a whole platoon and go, oh, go attack that hill. They need to toughen you up. No, they toughen them up in boot camp, teaching them their weapons, teaching them what saves them, teaching them how to use grenades and flak jackets and, and all the rest. All, and all that teaching comes from the word the word needs to get within you and I. The, the light shines in this darkness and the darkness has never overpowered it. It has, it has never absorbed it. It has never even appropriated it or learned from it. And it, is, and it is unreceptive to it. For those of you who think you can dabble a little bit with, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, I've learned to get a little bit more out of it. I just kind of mix it with this and I found this and 
That's, that's arrogance, that's pride. Jesus said, I am the and only way. I am the and only truth. I am the and only life. If you mix anything else or you try to work in the spirit realm with anything else or, or, or you do not get into the word and let the word choke out all the weeds and the wrong things that have been poured into you, you will never rise up with incredible strength and ability. Whatever is born of God is what overcomes, is victorious Not, well, God give me strength to handle what I, no, it's victory. It means done, slam, got it, we win. And it says you will walk in continual triumph in your life down here. If, if you develop faith, get the word of God and at the entrance of it, which means you need to get it into your heart. Okay, the head is, can very easily grab a few concepts. And now you do need to renew your mind. That's how you begin the process. You do need to make your body a living sacrifice. But this Christianity that says, well, we're just poor sinners, barely saved by grace. What a crazy thing to say. The word does not say to the sinners at Corinth, to the sinners in Galatia, to the sinners at Rome. It says to the saints. Yes, I know you make mistakes and sin because the word sin, hamartia, is the most common one used in the New Testament. It means to miss the mark for God's best. Well, you did that this morning when you shouted at your husband. You missed the mark for God's best and how to treat a husband. When you didn't let that lady in and you just sped up when she signaled, you missed the mark for God's best. So yes, sin is missing the mark. So we hide his word. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now we're all thinking acts, murdering, adultery. or Cool. But actually, when you read it this way, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not miss the mark for the best of God in my life. If you don't spend time in the word, you know, one of the things I did when we traveled a lot more is I would speak at huge conferences and people would come from all denominations, saved, unsaved, and I'd prepare myself to get behind the sacred desk and teach and deliver the word of God. I'd pray, I'd fast a meal or two just so I could just push things aside and, and God would show up. God would show up and miracles would take place and it would look phenomenal because people don't see miracles usually. And so it was stunning to have a shoulder work, a person walk for a growth to disappear, for, for the headache that had been there for years to disappear, for the peace. It was just, ah! You could see such reactions to it just looked like these big conferences were the thing. But I never saw and sensed the presence of God like I did in the local church. Those, because it was when I would go to the big conference, I knew that there was a gift within me that God had placed there and that I could access this gift, wait on Holy Spirit to see what He wanted. And it was up to them in a way to put a demand on the gift. But if one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight, and that continues. I don't know who these people are. They don't know who I am. They are sitting there looking at me going, perform. That's what they want. I need to get healed. I need to find my daughter. She's been missing for five years. I need to, and, 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 and the needy that was there. And so the presence of God would just heal and set captives free and restore marriages and homes and, and stuff like this. But the issue is that as I looked over the years at my my conferences and many others, and I studied this back to the phenomenon of the large conferences, I found, and everybody who was honest would agree, 
that the largest percentage of them were not in the same place months or years later. They would lose the ground they had taken. You know why? Because this is not the victory that overcomes the world. Get to a conference and get ministered to, and now you're going to overcome him. No. It says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our talking, your faith. So to not develop heart faith and to be fooled into having a head faith and sure that you're gonna, you'll be fine. And then when the storm hits, you're destroyed. Something gets destroyed. A life is taken. A business is destroyed. A relationship is finished. And it's gonna take, I don't know if it'll ever get back together. And so the enemy comes in and the Bible says in Rome, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter six and verse uh, 10 and on, it says, put on, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So you can stand against the enemy in the wilds in the evil day, which means when he attacks you and he says, put on the armor. Why? Because you're going to be attacked when the speaker is gone. It's amazing to me when the kids were around me, how Sal and I could use our faith and even the staff and the people that were around us. It seemed that there was this, this sense of the anointing of God that would help them to stand and be strong and keep going. But the local church is where Sunday after Sunday, Tuesday morning after Tuesday morning, Wednesday night after Wednesday night, Fridays or Thursdays for youth, the word gets taught. People will often ask me this, you know, what did you do with your kids? How did you train and equip your kids? Now, there's lots of great books out there on how-tos. There's one thing you need to know. We taught them the word in age-specific ways. And it's the word and the continual teaching of the word by example and by prayer and by bedtime and by Sunday school and which friends we allowed them to have and which places they were allowed to go to. We weren't as naive as taking a child who is not a self-manager and hand them to any friend, any place to stay overnight or going to go to a party, go ahead. Well, I trust my kids. Good for you. What have you taught them and what have you built within them so there's a faith on the inside of them Children can have faith and you can teach them the development of faith as they learn the principles of God. So they rise up. We were at a conference in Phoenix when before any of the kids were married. And it was kind of for ministries around the world, for mega churches, just some of the unique things that, that come. And so we'd meet and we'd have speakers. And um, I was one of the speakers, but we had gone and we had um, with all of our children. And so we were there in Phoenix and one of the guys had said, we have a very special session I want to tell you about right now. The adults are going to stay here. And for all the pastor's kids that are here, we have a class that we want you to go to. So the guy that was going to teach it got up and <clears throat> mega church pastor, you know, he's arrived. Yeah, you know, pastor's kid. live in a glass house, a constant attack on them, the unhappiness of ministry. And uh, we just need to minister to them. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, how do I keep my kids from going to this class? <laughs> and uh, then one by one, they either turned to Sally or I and said, do we have to go to that? Because we taught them the word. We taught them not to complain. We taught them, stop looking at what you don't like. And when you say your life's hard, as compared to what? Ethiopia and no food? 
being stolen and thrown into the sex trade? Like, what exactly is your life so hard about? And so we celebrated the ministry. We celebrated being pastor's kids. We celebrated how much the church loved them and the odd one that didn't. Who cares? And everything within us was to equip them and teach them with the word and develop each individual kid with the word because my experiences won't work. My stories, if they help teach the word, it is the word of God that grounds them. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He is the bread of life. You need to feed on him. Holy Spirit is here to teach you. And we taught them the things we taught adults, age specific, as I said, as they continued to grow up. This is key. You cannot look ahead to your future and think, well, you know, gosh, golly, gee, you know, I just haven't had time to go to church. In my life, I've had seasons of no miracles. No miracles. And it wasn't because I had sinned or I had done something. It's because I got out of the word. I allowed the storm to get my attention. I allowed the management of one of the organizations to prevail in my life from noon to night, from morning to night. I allowed the, the stuff that was pushing at me in family and the multiple voices that are all hollering like Goliaths at you. And you just got to go deal with them. And I had been out of the word. And I found that as I went back into the word and I fed on the bread of life, the word of God, and asked Holy Spirit, just to help me and assist me, that very quickly, it's not like you sink way below where you were, but this activation of faith in your life, it can stop. You need to treasure the Word of God. You know, my dad's pastor was with us when I was my late teens, early 20s. And my dad's pastor's name was Rosinke, and out of, out of here, out of Alberta. And... Uh, he came to help dad build our building, our first building in Selkirk, Manitoba. And parked his trailer on the lot. And I would love to go by there in the mornings before I headed off. I was a paramedic at the time, working with the youth. And so I'd just go and knock on his door because he'd always be up. He'd be up super early in the morning. I'd always find him in the same position, sitting in this wee little trailer uh, at this little table with a great big Bible opened. And I'm telling you, it was dog-eared and underlined. And no, if you got a Bible that's too pretty to mark up, throw it in the garbage, you get one you can write on. And uh, I'd often ask him, I said, you've read that portion hundreds of times. I know the word of God feeds me, Leon. Remember one time specifically, I asked him what he was doing. He said, you know, I'm just preparing. Your father's asked me to speak on Sunday. Dad's church at the time would have been about 200 people, 150 to 200. And I said, well, you don't know what you're speaking on? Like, why are you studying? You don't know what you're speaking on? Oh, I know what I'm speaking on. So then you're going to go for a walk over coffee? You know, Leon, I'm just going to sit here and feed on the word. Meditate, let Holy Spirit. And he says, Leon, to stand before the sacred desk, to teach God's family, he says, is a very serious thing. There are people there. It might be the only chance they have to hear the word in a way that touches them. I can't treat this flippantly. I need to have the presence of God flowing off of me. I need to have the word of God so that it feeds the flock of Jesus Christ. And it put an awe inside of me. You can ask my kids, my wife, anyone who knows me to prepare for a message one message like today's, 
I've got 20, 30 points. I'll only get through three or four, but I'm soaking in it. I'm absorbing it. I'm feeding it into my mind, my heart. I'm getting myself to a place of health and, and strength to be able to let the presence of God touch people and change people. All I'm trying to say, you need to treasure the word of God. The local church is the most special place. When I said earlier that the anointing is stronger in churches that are alive with the Word and Holy Spirit because we come in agreement. We come in a common sense of belief. We've been together for months, maybe years. And as we come together, our faith is what puts a demand on the gifts of the Spirit, on the Word of God flowing. And so anyone that gets up behind this desk doesn't get up with their limited knowledge. They get up under the inspiration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit who will speak to you even if they don't know what you need. The way they say something and how it's delivered will come and the Spirit of God will go, bam! And I'll, I'll ask people, they said, well, man, I just loved your message. I said, well, what was your favorite point? And they'll say a point I didn't even do. You know, some people who study the Bible believe, and I'm not sure, it doesn't matter, that on the day of Pentecost, when they came out of the upper room all, all speaking in other tongues, and they heard them, it says, speak in all these languages, some experts believe, when you look at that, that they were hearing it even though it wasn't that language. In other words, there was a supernatural ability for them to hear something as they were speaking in a heavenly language Holy Spirit was interpreting it on the way to their ears and speaking it in their individual languages to the Medes and the Parthians and, and the Greeks, etc. I have no problem either way. All I'm saying is that when you get into a local church where, yes, we need everything. We need kids' ministries, buildings, lands, teens. Yes, it is not about friendships and fellowship first. First is the Word and the presence of God being upon His Word because the Word of God will bring a stunning revelation. It'll enter your heart through the teaching and the anointing upon a teacher of the word. It'll change you forever. I can tell you the services where I heard a message and I was completely changed. My dad speaking, another person speaking, my mom teaching, a Sunday school teacher when I was five years old and what God spoke to me, and I can still tell you the teaching and the object lesson. And when I was a teenager, what was imparted and impacted in my life by the anointing upon a youth leader that spoke something in the presence of God hit me. Holy Spirit is trying everything in his power to get something to you, through you, in you, revelation in you. And, and when you come to a place where the word is crucial and, 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 and not just honesty, but the accuracy, that it's not just, ah, just, you know, Throw taffy to an already diabetic Christian crowd. Oh, no, no. I don't want you walking and going, it's fine. No, I want you getting here knowing who you are and knowing, yes, my faith works. And I can teach and walk, and walk in the things of God day after day. So faith is this amazing ability to conceive God's word in our heart. This word in your heart then begins to flow out because your heart is where faith comes from, not your head. So if you do not see strength in your emotions, if you do not see the, the supernatural ability upon your finances, your career, your marriage, upon your kids, and you're not conscious and aware, and know that when I'm dead and gone, generations will serve God from my, of my family. If, if these things are just kind of foreign to you, then don't be lied to. The enemy will try to woo you into, ah, you know that, you know that, you know that. No, because he is scared 
of somebody. When the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, that when the word is sown in hearts, Satan comes immediately to destroy the word that is sown. Listen, he likes to do a lot of things, but the thing that freaks him out the most is the word of God coming alive in your heart and the entrance of that word bringing illumination and revelation because you're going to get up and be who you is. You're going to become uncommon. You're going to become that new species. You will get up and rise up and you don't have to put on a show. And a lot of times supernatural doesn't mean spectacular. Everyone's looking for the spectacular. God wants it to be spectacular, fine. But I've watched him raise the dead and heal the sick and, and drop millions of dollars through systems that are not spectacular. But the church of Jesus Christ kept growing and the television station and the Springs churches and the schools and, and the super, and all the things just continue to grow. And I was going, well, what are you doing? Same. Oh, what's new? What's coming up? There's nothing new about God. God is the same. It's the souls that are being won. It's the advancement of the kingdom of God. Strategies, you bet, they're coming, but it's just everything is advancing and rising. Get up and stop looking for something new and say, what's here is so precious, so amazing. I today am going to begin to develop myself in the word of God. Holy Spirit, my teacher. So how do you know? Oh, you will know. You will know because something will rise up in your life and it's no longer... <gasps> Away in Jesus' name, yeah, yeah. Jesus just phone the prayer line, the prayer, the prayer team, the prayer basement, the prayer. You just phone them all, get them all, pray. Let's be shut up and get out of my life. Assignment from the enemy, off in the name of Jesus. You don't find the disciples saying, "Send a runner to this church and everybody pray for this." They walked in in Jesus' name. Anyway, my time is way past. I hope I help somebody. Father, today. Let the entrance of a thought illuminate something in their lives that they're going to move on and act on. Because faith without works is dead. So I pray they would move on into something very special and beautiful as they know you and your word in Jesus' name.